Welcome to the UndraftedFreeAgent.com Mid-Major Podcast, episode 26, and it is a good one. It is March, finally. So we're going to go through a bunch of the conference tournaments that are happening and predictions and who's seated where. Um, I'm going to go through, I voted, I'm a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association, so I did my voting today for the Players of the Year, Coaches of the Year, All-American Candidates. Uh, so we're going to go through a little bit of that. We're going to do the betting picks, of course, at the end of the podcast. I was 3 of 5 on last week's bets. I am on fire of late, so that would put me somewhere around 15 of 22. 15 of my last 22 is what I believe I'm at, which is a pretty good clip. Uh, we're going to go through the AP Top 25 as usual, and I got some audio. I was on the Missouri Valley uh, coaches call yesterday. Going to play some of that audio. I just got off the Metro Atlantic coaches conference call with like Rick Patino and Shaheen Holloway and Carmen Maciarella, all of them, but I don't have access to that audio just yet. It's going to come later this afternoon, so I will do another pod on Thursday or Friday with some comments from Rick Patino and stuff like that. But as usual, we start out with the release of the new AP Top 25. The Gonzaga Bulldogs remain the number one team in the country at 24-0 after a comfortable victory over uh, Loyola Marymount, 86-69, behind 24 points from Corey Kispert, 16 points and 7 rebounds from Drew Timmy, and Jalen Suggs with 12 points and 7 assists. Now, watch the entire game as usual. And every week, you know, six weeks ago, I would have told you Gonzaga is going to run through everyone and, and be crowned NCAA champions. I'm, I'm starting to believe that less. You know, we just saw Baylor get beat this past week. And I'm starting to believe that Gonzaga is likely going to get whacked in the second or third round of March Madness due to the lack of competition they've played. So they came out very slow again against Loyola Marymount, who's not a bad team, but... You know, there's somewhere right now down the lower part of the West Coast Conference. Very slow start. And what happens when we get to March Madness, you know, in the second or third round? When they have a slow start against, like, Purdue or Tennessee, and they're down 12-13 to them. You can't just flip a switch against, you know, some of these Big Ten teams or Big 12 teams or SEC teams. It just doesn't work that way. Just the way they've been slow in their starts over the past couple weeks, I'm starting to believe more and more. The Gonzaga is not going to win March Madness, and they're going to get whacked in the second or third round. Now, one thing they have done is won 51 straight home wins. That's the longest active home winning streak, and obviously the longest in program history. But yeah, I'm just, I am, I mean, look, hey, I, I mean, I just did my voting for the All-American teams. It is littered with Gonzaga players, but I'm starting to believe less and less of them come March Madness due to their lackluster performances over the past couple weeks. Now, for anyone who watched this game, Loyola Marymount has a guy on their team. His name is Kale Laupepe. He's from Melbourne, Australia. And he has the most glorious mullet you've ever seen. I wrote an article about him. It's up on undraftedfreeagent.com. And the headline is, you know, Kale Laupepe has a mullet that would make Patrick Swayze jealous. So I'm a huge Patrick Swayze and Roadhouse fan. I can honestly attest I have seen Roadhouse easily 300 times maybe more. And if you turned on Roadhouse and saw Lau Pepe, you know, as an extra in one of the bar scenes, you wouldn't bat an eyelash. His mullet is that glorious. You know, I thought, you know, you could see this guy in the movie Youngblood with Rob Lowe, which is a great hockey movie and was filmed in, in my neighborhood. And for those who have seen Youngblood, I have played, you know, I grew up playing hockey. I'm Canadian. 
also grew up playing basketball, football, soccer, all of it, but grew up playing hockey, and I have played in every single rink in the movie Youngblood, and if Lau Pepe was in Youngblood, you know, one of the guys on Thunder Bay or replacing Racky, he wouldn't look out of place. You have to go check him out. Uh, it, it's just great hair. Now, here's the thing. The dude Conval mentioned, you know, he's an Aussie. He's a sophomore. He started 14 of 19 games for Loyola Marymount, and he's averaging 10.7 points per game along with 4.9 rebounds. He's a nice player. Pretty good there at Loyola Marymount, looking to get them back to the glory days of Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball, which RIP Hank Gathers. For those that are familiar, you know, Hank Gathers was probably the best player in college basketball. It's going back late 80s, early 90s, and he collapsed and died on the court while playing for Loyola Marymount. And uh, they ended up getting into the NCAA tournament led by Bo Kimball. And uh, it was a pretty magical run for them. There's uh, an ESPN 30 for 30, the guru of Go. You can go check out and watch that. So for any college basketball fan, that's an absolute must to go back and see. So, But yeah, go check out Kele Laupepe on undraftedfreeagent.com. You've got to see this dude's hair. It is amazing. And we also have two other mid-major teams ranked in the AP Top 25. San Diego State is number 19. They are 19-4 on the season. They have won 10 games in a row, and they're now the number one team in the Mountain West Conference. They are absolutely on fire. You know, I was a little critical of them earlier in the season with getting, you know, so much love from the AP voters, but they've absolutely proved me wrong. Brian Dutcher has done an outstanding job. He was a kid shackle. This kid can fill up the basket. Really nice player. And, uh, I mean, they are going to make a little bit of a run in March Madness. I mean, I thought last year they probably would have went a little deeper uh, with Malachi Flynn and some of the other guys. But uh, still a pretty nice team. And that Mountain West, you know, outside. Um, I mean, I think top to bottom, it's the best mid-major conference in college basketball this year. And to be the number one team in that conference, I think, says a lot. Loyola Chicago, number 20 in the AP Top 25. They're 21-4, and four, and as of right now, they have a clear path to win the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament simply because Drake's two top scorers are now injured. Now, I wasn't aware of this till the other day, but superstar Drake Gard, who was first-team All-MVC, you can go check that out on my website. I got the whole team up there, but Roman Penn uh, broke his foot, so he's done for the year. And then we also had Shanquan Hemhill, who had a broken foot, who was their leading scorer all season. Now, their head coach, Darren DeVries, mentioned I was on the MVC conference call yesterday, and he's pretty hopeful that Hemhill, you know, he's day-to-day -day right now, and he thinks he may be able to play at some point, you know, if, depending on how far they advance. I would assume if they get to the MVC final against Loyola, he's going to play. But as of right now, he's day-to-day, -day, and here's some comments from... Drake head coach Darren DeVries on the status of Shanquan Hemphill for the MVC tournament. Uh, we'll know more uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday morning. Um, uh, still hopeful that um, uh, he's close. Obviously, he just hasn't been able to do a lot, you know, practice-wise or anything yet. So, um, you know, we'll see what that comes back and looks like and then how quickly we can get him ready if he is cleared. Um, so, um, but we won't know here for another 24 36 hours. So as you can see, you know, the Drake head coach optimistically hopeful of Hampill coming back. And I think if he can come back, they will have a shot to beat Loyola Chicago. I thought, you know, even just with Roman Penn, I thought they had a chance. But now without Roman, I mean, they're up against it. And I also think, you know, they have zero chance of getting an at-large bid despite their impressive record. What are they? Uh, 24 and 2, 20, 23 and 3, something like that. I, think, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I mean, it, it, it's pretty impressive. But due to those injuries, I just can't see them getting in. But again, their head coach 
a little bit more optimistic than me, and he thinks they've done enough to get an at-large bid, regardless if they beat Loyola Chicago. Yeah, I do. Uh, um, uh, you know, I think if you you look at uh, our quad one and quad two opportunities, and we're sitting at five one, five and one there. Uh, I think if you look at um, you know in a year like this, I think you have to consider all the factors that go into play, and you look at um, you know where our losses came from, the amount you know with the amount of games we played in the in the short period of time there to finish up the year. Uh, you look at the injuries we've had and still been able to, um, you know, maintain, you know, maintain ourselves pretty well. Um, uh, I, I think we are a tournament team. I, I think, um, you know, our body of work is, is good enough. Um, you know, one of the few teams that's played the amount of games that we've played this year, you know, non-conference and conference got, got all those games in. And you look across the country and see the amount of teams that didn't play as many games. You know, I, I use Kansas State as an example. Um, you know, Kansas State ended up not being, you know, great in the Big 12 this year, but you still have to beat them. You know, Oklahoma went to Kansas State and was a top 15 team and got beat. You still have to win those games. And, and we played a lot of games that we still had to win. Uh, so um, I, I think our team is deserving of it, um, uh, especially when you consider all those, those external factors. And also the MVC announced, you know, they're all conference teams for today and, Cameron Krutwig, I believe is how you say his name. The big man from Loyola was named the MVC Player of the Year. His head coach, Porter Moser, he was on the conference call yesterday, and he talked about some of the challenges he's faced. I really like listening to him speak. Uh, he's just got that if factor, pretty sharp dude. And here he is talking about some of the challenges he's faced over the past year for him and his players. I told, I said this at the, uh, the post game of the, the last game. We found out we won it. Is, you know, I heard Doc Rivers say, the team that wins it, it's going to be a special championship because of what you had to endure and overcome. And there was just been so much you look back on trying to keep your team together during the pandemic in the summer, then trying to keep your team together during all the social justice issues, then coming back and then the testing and then the shutdowns. There's so many things you've asked young people to pivot on and to get them back up and turn. And it's just the amount of turns these young guys have had to take. Um, so it, it is special to overcome all that, you know, that's what champions do. They got to overcome adversity. And I think the whole league did, I just looked at all the teams and what they've done in the years they've had. And these young people deserve a ton of credit for pivoting. And we got, we got all our games in. That's a great thing. Everybody got 18 games. I don't think there's a bit of hand that would have been raised when we had these zoom meetings before all this started that every team would get 18 games. And for these young guys to pivot and do makeup games. And all of a sudden, like some of these teams got bunched in and had to do five games in nine days. Crazy, crazy. And you're, you're in school too. So I think this is a special year for, for athletes. Um, I'm, I think our guys, I was just really happy for them that, that they were able to get that nugget of a championship having to endure what they had to endure. So shout out to Mike Kern from the Missouri Valley Conference for sending me that audio. I know he was dealing with a little bit of a nightmare getting that out to the media, so I appreciate him deeply. And, uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, Loyola Chicago should cruise through Arch Madness, which every game will be played in St. Louis. As far as a long shot, I mean, take a look at Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois played Loyola Chicago pretty tough the last week of the season. They took them to OT in the last game of the season, but very young team. And, you know, their head coach, Brian Mullins, talked about how, you know, they're no longer freshmen at this point of the season. So they got a really good young team. I'm not saying they can beat Loyola Chicago, but I think right now, aside from Drake, Southern Illinois is your best shot to perhaps upset them. 
So speaking of these conference calls, man, you just got off the, the Metro Atlantic conference call. Oh my God, there are some horrible questions coming through. So I was listening, you know, to Rick Pitino, and I'm, I'll play that on Thursday or Friday's pod when I get to it. But we had three separate reporters. Every single reporter asked the same question: How has COVID affected you and your team this past year? And it, it's like, oh my God, think of a better damn question. All right. It's like, and here's the thing, just because like I've been on these conference calls this week, didn't ask a question because if someone else asks kind of what you're thinking, there's no need to ask it again. And so some guys just like hearing the sound of their own voice. And obviously I do. I have my own damn podcast, but um, (laughs) I put it on my form. And if someone wants to download it, but on these conference calls, man, you don't have to ask a question just because you're on it. And this Metro Atlantic call I just did today, one of the worst pressers I've ever seen. We had three Members of the media asked the exact same question to Rick Pitino right in a row. How has COVID affected you and your team this past year? Like, stop, who cares? And you can see every single coach is just exhausted with with asking it. Reggie Witherspoon, the Canisius coach, was like literally rolling his eyes, answering the same question over and over today. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of fed up with the how has COVID affected you and your team over the past year. Enough. Nobody cares anymore. Everyone's affected. Right? So let's get on with it. So, speaking of that, a whole bunch of brackets been set. And, you know, you can go on my website, undraftedfreeagent.com, check out a bunch of the brackets, all conference honorees. I've been pumping it, uh, all the info as much as I can as of late. But um, the OVC bracket now set. We have Belmont as the number one seed. They're going to face off against SIU Edwardsville this week. Uh, That's tomorrow those games start. Number two, Moorhead State. And number three, Eastern Kentucky in that. Now, if you asked me a week ago, you know, who's going to win the OVC, I would have told you Belmont in an absolute cakewalk. They won 21 straight games at one point this season, but they've lost back-to-back games heading into the conference tournament. Their big guy, what's the kid's name? Uh, Nick Mashinsky, he's like a big 6'11", 7 a big dude. And a lot of their offerings focused around him. Now, just saw today on Twitter that he will be available for the OVC tournament. Now, what his health is, I don't know, but apparently he's going to play, but... Which leads me to believe that Eastern Kentucky is going to be the team that's going to come out of the OVC this year and go dancing. They went 21-6 this season, and they're quietly one of the best mid-major teams in college basketball. I watched them beat Belmont last week. They got athletes, they're you know, uh, long athletic dudes, and they just got a little bit of that it factor. I mean, I like Moorhead State. I've watched them play quite a bit as well this year. Thursday night's OVC night, I, I, I sat and watched just about every OVC game this year that happened. And I'm rolling with Eastern Kentucky. So, hey, if you're going to put a few bones on it, um, you know, I would love to see Belmont get in because they've had a great season. But uh, they're, they're backing into the conference tournament. And I don't like that. I like who's hot. And EKU is hot right now. So, also, the Patriot League tournament set. Navy, the number one team, they were 15-2 and two this year, 12-1 and one in the Patriot League. And they were led by junior guard John Carter Jr. with 16 points per game. And sophomore forward Daniel Deaver with 15 points a game. And uh, Colgate, the number two team in the Patriot League at 11-1. So here's the thing with Colgate. Right now, they are the number nine team in all of college basketball in net rankings. I mean, so you know, we're talking ahead of Big 12, Big 10, all, all the power teams, all the power conference teams. They're looking really good, and I've called them the most underrated, the most underappreciated team in all of college basketball. And so for my money, you know, obviously this is a two-horse race. Navy and Colgate did not face off this year during conference play. 
And that's it. But I, I still believe Colgate, led by Jordan Burns, if you haven't seen him, this dude is a nice player, but a six-foot guard, but just buzzes around. Now the all-time leader in assists in program history at Colgate. Dude is a baller, and I just think he'll be the difference maker in that game and allow Colgate to win the Patriot League. But if you're looking for a long-shot possibility in that, Army. Okay, there's no one kind of – Army's the number four seed. None of the five to ten seeds are anywhere remotely good. And I also just saw that Holy Cross, I think, is now going to be out of – they were supposed to be in, but now they're going to have to opt out due to health issues. But for me, I mean, Army beat both Navy this year and Colgate. That's Colgate's only loss was to Army. So, heck, they definitely got a shot. So, number four seed, Army, would be your long shot pick. But expect Colgate to win the Patriot League. The Summit League bracket out, set to tip off March 6th to 9th in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And South Dakota State is the number one seed. They won their fourth straight Summit League title. The Jackrabbits are 15-6. They were 9-3 in conference. And they're going to open up against number seed Omaha. They're going to blow right through them. The South Dakota Coyotes, number two seed, 13-10, 11-4 in conference. They're going to face Western Illinois, who is a bad team. They're going to just blow right through them. And then North Dakota State, the number three seed, they were 13-11, um, and they played Kansas City. But for my money, I mean, I've watched quite a bit of the Summit League over the past two weeks. I like South Dakota State. It's a nice team, but there's just something about North Dakota State that does it for me. Uh, they split the season series with both South Dakota and South Dakota State. So one and one So, I mean, this is really a coin flip. Who's going to win the Summit League? But I'm rolling with North Dakota State. Not a bad team, and um, I just think they're, they're playing well going into the tournament. And, and I like what I've seen with them. Now, as far as a long shot possibility in the Summer League, Oral Roberts is the number four seed. Quickly, where is Oral Roberts University? Well, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I actually had to look that up. It wasn't, uh, I didn't know that, but now I do know that. But yeah, Oral Roberts is in Tulsa, and they're led by the leading scorer in college basketball, Max Admus. This guy's averaging 24.7 points per game. So when you have a guy that can fill it up, better than anyone in the damn country, you're going to have a shot, especially in a mid-major tournament. And so, hey, Oral Roberts, number four seed, definitely going to be in the conversation. So the SOCON, the Southern Conference Championship, also said that's going to tip off Friday. The number one seed in that is UNC Greensboro. Not a bad team. Two seed is Wofford, three seed Furman, four seed Chattanooga, five seed Eastern Tennessee, and going down to the seventh seed is Mercer. Who's the sixth seed on this? Oh, VMI. So I don't think they can win. But you literally, any one of those top seven teams is capable of winning the SOCON. But for my money, I'm going to go with Wofford. They've won three in a row, which makes them the hottest team in the SOCON going into the conference tournament. They were 15-8 and eight on the season, 12-5 and five in conference, the number two seed. So I like Wofford. They're going to win the SOCON pick them. Now, one of the hardest conferences to pick, the Sun Belt Championship, it's also going to tip off Friday. I mean, it is just damn near impossible. Now, they kind of have it. They've got an East and a West seed, number one. So the number one team in the East in the Sun Belt is Georgia State. And the number one team in the West is Texas State, which is a team that started off very slow and then got hot, you know, getting towards the conference championship. But, I mean, it, it again, this is a coin flip. This is one of those tournaments where... I think any of the, now, because it's East and West, so a team that would be a three seed would technically be a six seed in other conferences because they split it up in the Sun Belt. But I'm rolling with South Alabama. I really like how Richie Riley has got his guys playing heading in. I think their star guard, Michael Flowers, I watched him put up, what, 32, 34 in a game the other day. And when you have that one guy that can kind of take over the game, 
and Richie Riley does have that at South Alabama, I think it could be good enough to help them win the Sun Belt. But again, this one is so tough. Would I be surprised if Georgia State won? No. I mean, Rob Lanier has had a great season with his guys down there. Texas State getting hot as they go in. Louisiana's played really well as well. So coin flip, I don't know. But um, I'm going Richie Riley, my guy, South Alabama. Hopefully they can get it done. Also, the CAA Conference Tournament, the Colonial, March 6th to 9th in Harrisburg, Virginia. The number one seed in the Colonial is James Madison. And the two seed, Northeastern. Number three, Charleston. Uh, you know, going all the way down. Towson's in there. Elon, uh, William & Mary. But for my money, I like Northeastern. You know, I've talked about some of the Canadians they have down there. Coleman Stuka. This kid can shoot the lights out. He's, I think he's got pro potential. I mean, he's a true freshman. Also, Alex Nawaga, Jamil Telford, another Canadian kid out of Quebec who looks to be in the running for all-conference award. Um, for all conference selection in the CAA, I just think uh, they've got they got enough. They're nine and eight in the season, eight and two in conference. So I like the Huskies to come out of the Colonial, and hopefully, would love to see some of my Canadian boys there in March Madness. Always puts a smile on my face. So the Big South tournament underway, I and mean, I predicted this, you know, during my last pod. If you went back and listened to that, and please go do. But I mean, this was the easiest one to pick. Winthrop is going to run through this, and Chandler Vaudrin. Case in point, they hammered high point in game one, 83-54. Vodder not a triple-double. 10 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists. That's his third triple-double of the season and his fourth all-time. And keep in mind that he spent his first two years playing Division II basketball at Walsh University. You know, he was named Big South Conference Player of the Year last, last week um, as well. First-team all-conference, of course. And I voted for him in my All-American voting, which I'll get to coming up. But... Um, so he's just the 14th player all time with four triple doubles at the D1 level. And again, you know, it's a dude that just played D2 for a couple of years. And so I think he's an NBA player. And uh, watch out for uh, Chandler Vaudrin and Winthrop to just blow through the competition in the Big South. And we're definitely going to see them in March Madness. I'd be shocked if we don't. So some news this week. A bunch of coaches got canned. You know, no shock, some of them. I mean, but the only one that is a little surprising. So Jeff Goodman tweeted out that Indiana State is going to fire their head coach, Greg Lansing, following Arch Madness. So he's still there. They haven't even fired him yet. He's, he's going to go through the tournament. And, I mean, that's got to be a little awkward. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, I don't think they're going to win now. Could his players come out and say, we got to win it for coach? And I, I don't know. Now, he actually had a pretty decent season. They were 14-9 and nine this year, and he is two wins shy of the all-time mark at Indiana State. Now, usually they'd let a coach get that. Um, just for, you know, for nostalgia's sake. I mean, the guy's put in that kind of work, and I think he's earned the right. So a lot of people, a lot of coaches upset that Indiana State going to part ways with Coach Lansing. But, hey, as they say, it is not show friends. It's show business. 14-9, and nine, pretty good, but it's not a conference title. So is what it is. They're going to bring in some new blood. And uh, I think, you know, 14-9, and nine, not a bad season. And think about what this season was. It was ridiculous. But, um is what it is, man. He's uh, he's going to get let go. Now, Denver fired Rodney Billups. No shock. I had them rated as one of the 10 worst teams in college basketball this year. They were brutal, 2-19 and 19 on the season. So, I mean, you cannot be surprised when you're 2-19 and 19 and you get fired. Now, one team a little surprising, University of Albany men's basketball coach Will Brown has been fired after 20 years on the job. He's got a career record of 315 and 295. He helped Albany earn five NCAA tournament appearances, but he's been axed. They were 7-9 this year, uh, which is their third straight losing season. So, 
hey, I mean, they, they let him ride it out for a couple of years, but it's just not turning the corner again. And so time to bring in some new blood in Albany. Binghamton, also another terrible team this year. They fired their head coach, Tommy Dempsey. And assistant Lavelle Saunders has been named interim coach for next year, which I, I don't like that. Either name him the coach or don't name him the coach. To, to name someone an interim for the year. And I understood at Wichita State, what's it, Isaac Brown, uh, you know, they fired Greg Marshall like a week before the season. So, okay, we got to have an interim coach. But you have the entire offseason here to figure out if this guy's your coach or not. Just placing an interim tag on him, kind of BS. It is what it is. But, hey, I mean, if you're Lavelle Saunders, take the gig and hopefully you can run with it. Also, I mean, Binghamton this year, 4-14, four and 14, and Dempsey finishes with a 71-194 record over nine seasons. So that's going to get you canned. Now, mention up the top, I, um, I'm a member of the United States Basketball Writers Association, and I get to vote for Player of the Year. And so I put in, you get to make three selections. My number one choice was Drew Timmy from Gonzaga. Now, based on all the conversation you're hearing, you know, everyone's talking Garza, you know, uh, Ayo DeSunmo from Illinois, who I had number two. But, you know, the Gonzaga guys get a little forgotten, partly because they're playing games at 11 p.m. on a Monday night on YouTube live streams, not even on ESPN or FS1 or CBS, whatever. Uh, I, I, you know, talked about that. Last week, they got to get out of that conference. They got to build the brand a little bit better. And I think that's going to hurt Drew Timmy in the player of the year voting. But I voted for him regardless. And I also had Jalen Suggs. You get three picks. So I put the Sunmo from Illinois as number two and Suggs number three. Coach of the year, I had Mark Few up there. Uh, Jawan Howard and then Nate Oates at Alabama were my picks. And All-Americans. Now, you get 15 selections for the All-Americans. Now, here's one thing. I did not put Luca Garza in my All-American list. I'm tired of everyone fawning all over this kid, and he's going to get plenty of votes. Assuming he's going to be an All-American, you know, <laughs> everyone and their mother's going to vote for him. But me, I did not. What I chose to do with that vote is put a bunch of mid-major guys on there as well. So I put Chandler Vaudrin on my All-American voting. I put Marion Jackson from Toledo there. I put Fardaz Amick, the Canadian, who leads college basketball and rebounding per game from Utah Valley. I had Max Abmus from Oral Roberts mentioned, number one scorer in college basketball. He was on my All-American list, as well as Charles Bassey from Western Kentucky. Now, I think a lot of the you know, major media writers are, are going to vote for Bassey as well. But um, I, I made a point of putting some mid-major blood in there because, uh, you know, guys like Vodrin, I mean, look, no one's had more triple-doubles than, than him this year. And Amick leads college basketball rebounding. So all these guys, Max Admus leads college basketball scoring. These guys absolutely deserve it. Even though don't expect them to see them on the list. That's just me giving my vote. But, um, yeah, oh, and then also freshman of the year, I had uh, Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley as my, from USC, the seven-footer, who I love. Um, but Suggs, uh, for my money, he's got to be the freshman of the year in college basketball without question. So I want to get into my betting picks of the week. Mention I've been on fire of late. What am I now? 15 of my last 22, I believe, which if I was in Las Vegas, I'd get me paid a lot of dough. I was three for five last week. The one I did miss was I thought Gonzaga was going to cover the 25. I thought they were going to come out and, and blow Loyola Marymount away by 40 points, and they didn't. Again, that's a slow start, which is why I think they're going to get whacked at some point in the tournament. But either way, here's a couple betting picks for tonight. I'm recording this Tuesday afternoon, so I should have this up probably by about uh, 3.30 Eastern time, and all these games are like 7 o'clock tonight, and then I got one for tomorrow. So for tonight, I like Fresno State plus 13.5 versus Boise State. Look, Boise is going to win the game. But Fresno's been playing some excellent basketball. Watched them last week against UNLV. It's a damn good team. I think, what are they now, 10-10 and 10 on the season? 
they're getting better, you know, as the season, you know, as we head towards the conference tournament. And uh, I just think it's going to be a close game. I think this is going to be a six or seven point game. So take Fresno in the points, but Boise still should win that one. Also tonight in the Horizon League tournament. So Wright State is the number two seed. Milwaukee, I think, what are they, the eighth seed? I like Milwaukee plus 13. I watched these two teams play a couple weeks ago. Milwaukee beat them at one point. And so, you know, they play the back-to-backs. Milwaukee got on one night. Wright State got on the other night. But Milwaukee's a damn good team. And I, I just think this is a three- or four-point game. It's a conference tournament game. So take Milwaukee in the points. And don't be shocked if they actually upset Wright State outright. But either way, they're definitely going to cover the 13. And then also tonight, more Horizon League matchup. Oakland minus three over Youngstown State. Now, here's what I like. You know, I mentioned on Youngstown, my guy Shamar Rattan May is a young man I called all four years of his high school. Love the kid, but I just think he's a little, you know, he's a freshman. And he's going to go up against, uh, what's the kid, Jalen Moore on Oakland. He, This guy leads college basketball in assists. And I just like the guard play, a little bit more veteran play on Oakland. And I think they're going to get by Youngstown State comfortably. So take Oakland minus three. And then one game for tomorrow, and it is a very late one. USC minus two versus Stanford. I love the Trojans. I mean, to me, I think they're the best team in the Pac-12. I think they are. They have Final Four potential. I think definitely Elite Eight. Once you see some of the guys, like this kid, Evan Mobley, is out of this world. Taj Edey, their guard. Uh, and then Mobley's brother, Isaiah. They're pretty good. Man, they got NBA guys. They got deep talent. They got the veteran steady guard. And um, I just think they comfortably beat Stanford. And I also think they comfortably get to the Sweet 16. And then maybe more March Madness. I really like USC. So there you have it. Thanks for joining me as usual. Of course, check me out on Twitter, at Mr. McKee. Give a follow to our socials. I mean, it is March. It's here. I mean, we, we didn't think it was going to happen. But um, it's here. It's, it's happening. And I can't be more excited. So I'm going to pump out a whole bunch of pods. I'll try to do them a little bit more on the regular as I can. So definitely look for one on Thursday, Friday. I'll do another one. And I got a lot more audio, a lot more video and stuff coming in from all these coaches' conference calls. And uh, hopefully you're enjoying what's going on. Don't forget to click subscribe. Drop me a rating on iTunes or wherever you're listening to us. Based on my stats, Amazon is the number one place people are listening to the undraftedfreeagent.com mid-major podcast. Pretty cool to see. I'm more of an iTunes guy. That's where I get my podcasts or occasionally iHeartMedia, which I'm not on iHeart, unfortunately, yet. I'll try to figure that out over the next couple of weeks anyways. But um, yeah, drop me a line on Twitter. Check me out on YouTube, everywhere. Keep subscribing. I'm going to keep on pumping them out, and I hope you all enjoy the basketball this week. The beating of my heart.